Hello, I'm Edgar Papke. And I'm Ken Sagendorf. Welcome to the True Alignment Podcast. Thank you. We're live here in the Innovation Incubator in the Anderson College of Business and Computing at Regis University in Denver, Colorado. Yep, and welcome to the conversation uh, about alignment in all aspects of life, in our uh, all of our relationships at work and home and our families and our uh, relationships to our partners and and uh, spouses and kids and yeah, you name it. It's all about alignment, the great predictor of success. So it's interesting you say that, Edgar, because I get a lot of questions from from friends and family about uh, the podcast and and what it's about. And and we move pretty quickly between very personal things um, in our in our own personal lives. I got in trouble, by the way, for saying that my uh, daughter drove like a grandmother. Like I, I got in trouble <laughs> on that one. Um, well, I'm, I'm curious to hear what <laughs> some feedback from my family. That's, that's, yeah, mm-hmm. but we also talk about uh, current events. Yes, we do. And we talk about the businesses we work with. And kind of the the greater business success. Yeah, we should we should plug here. We don't we don't plug that often, but this is the heart of what we do in our executive education. Um, it's alignment work. You know. It is alignment work, and and it is personal, and it is professional, and it is influenced by those around you and the things happening in the world. Very true. It's a very holistic and both holistic and integrated um, uh, framework that we use system. Uh, and a system for business. And, uh, yeah, we, we uh, teach aspects of it and through here at the uh, Anderson College. And we, we have groups come in from around the country, executive teams and groups, and uh, we work with them on their alignment, and we do design thinking and innovation work with them. And at the end of the day, uh, yeah, there's that constant reminder that everything in business is personal and yeah. that a business is a human art. And as an art form, it's it's all about uh, evoking human emotion and using that to innovate, to create solutions, products, services, customer experiences, and employee experiences, cultures of, of innovation and success and ultimately human fulfillment. Yeah, so, so that's an interesting segue, Edgar, because we want to talk today about um, strategy. Yeah. It's a word... It's a word and an approach that that people are using, and now we're coming out of uh, the global COVID pandemic. Yeah, and businesses, many of them are looking for um, perhaps their marketplace has changed, customers have changed, and they're looking to take their organization somewhere. And so, a lot of people will put together um, strategies, strategic plans, and, and today we want to we we want to tackle that one. Okay. Yeah, and so you and I before we got on the podcast, we were talking about some definitions. So let's let's lay down some definitions. So um, share with our audience how you define strategy. Yeah, it's a uh, I may oversimplify it, and I, I was, the separation of vision and strategy I think is an important uh, uh, place to start. Vision is an articulated future state. It's our way of defining or, or announcing what we want the future to look like. In an organizational context, what's the vision for the organization? How big are we going to be? Where, how are we going to be competing? How do we see ourselves? And then strategy, once you have a vision, strategy is, is the plan to get there and to, to accomplish it. So my simple definition of strategy that I like to use is change plan. It's a periodic change plan. Over a period of time, we set out to start doing some new things, uh, improve, 
the things that we're already doing, as well as some of the great strategic decisions that are made are the ones where we stop doing what's out of alignment and what doesn't help or um, benefit or contribute to reaching our vision. So for me, the simple definition of strategy, a periodic change plan. So that's so interesting. When I first came here to Regis University, I, I went to a, a leadership workshop for, for people across the then 28 Jesuit colleges and universities. And, and mm. I, I had the privilege of listening to a couple of the university presidents. And I, um, you've known me for a while, and, and, and I think my colleagues uh, will paint me as a little bit cranky, but I'm, I'm really an idealist, Edgar. Uh, yeah, and an optimist, too. I am. Yeah. I am. It doesn't often shine shine through, mm-hmm. but but one of the uh, one of the points of being an optimist and then showing up and hearing these university presidents say, you know what we don't we don't really intend t- to use our strategic plans. We know we do them when we get a new president, or we do them every ten years. Um, and 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 I got to exp- I've gotten to experience that multiple times in organizations where we develop we develop a vision for a future state. Mm-hmm. We put together that action plan, that that strategy, and then it falls apart. Yes, it does. So, so today or we it you, can, yeah, it can right. I mean, and that, I, it's it's really interesting because I always wonder, is that really the desired future state? I mean, once you get the desired future state out, once you get a vision, I mean, I think that's the work, right? That's that's the initial hard work. Mm-hmm. But then communicating that that change plan, that strategy, and how we enact that, um, people tire. They tire so quickly there. Yeah, and uh, some of it has to do with, well, there's a lot of factors of what tires people or why it doesn't happen. And we see a lot of them. The thing is, we often hear, uh, well, we want a a strategic plan that we can really stick to, that we can execute on. Because it seems that a lot of teams, a lot of organizations develop strategies and then they flounder or they they don't uh, successfully implement and execute on them for a variety of different reasons. Uh, the thing about it is, is that you hear that all too often. It's like, yeah, we all got together. We spent two or three days together. We came up with a great plan. And here we are a year later looking at it and saying, wow, we didn't do most of what we set out to do. Or, yeah, we started. We had a great start when we we didn't finish. Or, yeah, we never really got that one off the ground. I remember working once with a construction company that started uh, down the path of a green strategy. And when I started working with them, we took a look at their strategic thinking for the la- over the last you know several years. And this, this green strategy kept popping up. And so I asked the question, what's, you know, this, this is there. And it, is there progress? No. Well, so why have a green strategy? Well, it sounded good. Mm-hmm. It sounded good. Other people were doing it, so we needed to do it. And, well, if you needed to do it so badly, what happened and what got in the way and what didn't work? And and when we when we peeled away at it, the discovery came relatively quickly that, yeah, they did it for the sake of just having it, and it wasn't really necessary. Most of what they were doing was already in compliance and environmentally sound. And in fact, they were going out of their way to do things well uh, and environmentally uh, friendly, they just never looked at it through that lens or saw it that way. So a lot of times, I, th- I think organizations take on new ideas and new ways of thinking, and 
it may not even be in alignment with their vision and where they're going and what they're actually doing. And I think ultimately there's just one important piece here that's worth mentioning early in this conversation is that at the end of the day, the focus of strategy at the end of the day is, is being able to deliver to the customer, to the customer experience. Because you could have a great product and service if you don't have a customer, you, you, you got an auto, you don't have a business. So it comes back to that. And then great strategic design and implementation reflects your EX, your, your culture, your employee experience. And so the way that you develop and communicate, you know, you, you mentioned commu- communicate the strategy, the way we design, the way we develop, and then communicate the strategy needs to be in alignment with the desired employee experience. And again, that comes back to people working in a way that directly reflects the customer experience in alignment to that. So you and I were talking a little bit about some sports analogies. Yeah. Earlier, right? I mean, I, 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 I um, talk about a football uh, analogy that I always had a colleague that would say, you know, there are two kinds of football coaches. Mm-hmm. One that comes in and figures out what talent is on the team and develops a, develops a strategy around how to implement those folks that are already on the team. And another coach comes in with a, with a new strategy and then figures out how to, how to find the team to execute. Yeah. Those are your choices. And you, you had a soccer analogy about finding the center midfielder and then. Yeah. My good friend, John, John Wellshoot is a, just a phenomenal, phenomenal soccer coach. One of the early lessons that I learned from him is I went down my path of coaching soccer, and I, d- I did for 25 years and got licensed and all that other good stuff. But when he when he uh, he was helping me select players for a team, and uh, and I was looking at it through the lens of what kind of a team would I like to field, and uh, and he he um, gave me a little nudge. He said, "Well, you know," he says, "The way I come at it is, I find that one player." I find that one player who is going to be my central midfielder. And then I look at the reality of what I have to work with. And I will, I will I'll have a system to work with, and I'll teach a system of play. The thing is how that system gets applied. So here's a vision, and then it gets translated into a strategy based on the talent, based on what you have to work with, and based on the context that you're in. And so then building a team that to actually build a team that way and to evolve a team that way. Yes, over time, you look to replace certain players or team members in a business context so that you're consistently building and moving your team forward. There's also a tremendous amount to be said, understanding the talent that you do have and then doing the necessary career pathing and learning and development work to build the team and to think about that very strategically. Yeah, we're finding a lot of our work in that space right now. I, I don't. I think I shared this with you, but um, you know, we had a group, a business come into town with their with their executive team, and and you know, we always ask them these questions of what what do they expect to happen over the two days that we spend with them, and and those answers really varied. Like, just tell me the north star of the business. What are we going to accomplish in the next six months? To I just I just want to engage with my work colleagues. Um, they were really all over and. Just as we were starting the first morning, um, one of the folks from that business said, you know, Ken, what's going to happen? And I said, well, I don't really know because it all depends on you. Mm-hmm. But I will say this. I think we're going to get back to a conversation about learning and development. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Eventually, that's where you wind up. 
Um, and I think that's probably one of the uh, most often uh, overlooked areas of strategy. And that's now back at the forefront because the realization, especially with um, with the market the way it is in terms of employment and how people are responding and the great alignment, as we like to call it, that there's a perspective here that's that's reintroduced the idea of the importance of learning and development, and not only from the standpoint of what the organization needs, also uh, understanding the employee experience and understanding what the employee needs, what motivates them, what they're looking for in their futures. I, I think the conversation has come back around to where it really needs to be, and that's a focus, a clear focus on learning and development and making that a part of it, a part of the conversation, a strategy. And then also part of that learning development is being able to recognize how each individual contributes to and aligns to the ability for you to execute at a strategic level. More than an org chart. More than an org chart, yeah. I I think so much of it is is around role definition. Um, When you think about all the different... Uh, all the different aspects of of um, of teaming and how an organization works and how its people work, uh, it gets touched by the strategic thinking that I think is so often overlooked. Uh, a couple of examples is when we start looking at strategy, we think what's necessary to get done. And so now we look at it through role definition. And then that role definition is, well, what are the what are the skills, competencies, capabilities within that role? And then what kind of decisions need to be made within that role? And who's responsible for making the decisions and feeling empowered enough to be able to execute on the strategy? We do know that all the current data right now is telling us that the three things that will get in the way of, of innovation, get in the way of, of alignment in an organization, one is, um, uh, one is clearly... Um, you know, the learning and development piece and do people really have enough skill and capability to execute or what they need to execute on. And another one is lack of strategic alignment. So along with problem solving and competencies and development, and there's this, there's this other piece of it you know, and the importance of being able to have people think and engage strategically. They'll need to know what the strategy is and where they fit into it. And role definition goes a long way in that. Yeah, Edgar, what, what, what brings a reluctance? Because you know, so many times we we develop a vision, a, a different desired future yeah. state, and then we, even if leadership has good intentions of putting the strategy in place, the change plan in place, we do a couple things around people's roles. We either stand up and say, well, "You're going to need to work differently, mm-hmm. do a different thing." And we don't provide, and we don't often provide that learning and development. Um, but a lot of a lot of change plans go through many iterations. Yeah, right. I mean, you see the organ, you see the organizational chart, you know, changing and flip flopping in a two year period multiple times. Nobody really knows what it is. Some of the the water cooler conversation. Um, if you can call that over Zoom, the water cooler conversation anymore. Some of that conversation is about, I'm just going to wait till they're done spinning so I can figure out that I'm always going to be doing the same thing I do now. Right, so I'll just wait. Yeah, so that leader, I, I mean, and that's one one part that drives me crazy, right? 
I'm not going to agree or disagree with the desired future state. I'm just going to hold pat. <laughs> and, and, you know, many organizational leaders, we need, to, we need to change the outcomes we're getting now. The customer experience might be changing or need to change. Um, the marketplace is shifting. Um, we're working differently now. Um, but this is, this is hard in an organization when you have an extended period when you're trying to do execution of a strategy. And so what is a leader, what is a leader, how can a leader come to their employees beyond defining your roles differently? What is that communication that, that we need from a leader, especially when, when, when change is taking a long time? Yeah, I, there's a couple of pieces that come to mind, a couple of thoughts I have as you, as you ask that question and, lead into it. The, f the first one is, is, is the clarity, that North Star idea. Here's a vision. Here's who we want to be. This is how we want to show up in the world as an organization. And then to be able to communicate that and communicate it not just once or twice, but and keep communicating it. Just keep, keep, keep moving it forward. I, I think that's one area of great importance. I, I think there's another piece in this too, as as we move forward, we have to be able to understand two key elements of how people engage. The first one is, did you ask them? So I think in just in basic principle, as you communicate a strategy and a vision for the future, to keep coming back around to asking questions like, how do you think it's working? What else do you need to succeed? Um, where do we have clarity? Where are we lacking clarity? How well is your role definition actually aligned to what we need to be happening? So to constantly be asking questions, I think, is key. So as you give information, the next step, and I like to call it very simply give and get information management. I know it sounds kind of old, coiny. The thing about it is I think any time that you communicate strategy, vision or strategy, the first thing as a leader to be able to do and do well is, is begin asking questions. Uh, looking for the feedback, looking for input. So for people to engage over the longer haul, they have to be part of the thinking process. They have to be part of the problem-solving process. They have to be part of the strategic thinking process for, for the alignment to occur that they'll, they'll, they'll be engaged through that. So I think that's a really important aspect of it. Yeah, so many times I've seen organizations, you know, they're kind of celebrate uh, putting the strategy in place. And then the celebration ends, right? I mean, the celebration might last a long time. I mean, you might have that give and get um, that you discuss for for six months, nine months. Yeah, and and also I think you're on the right track with this too. Is celebrate the small wins, so celebrate the small wins. Be able to recognize when people are um, contributing to and and moving moving it forward. Absolutely. And we probably don't do enough of that. And a lot of it has to do with most leaders. Most leaders that we work with have a sense of urgency. As a matter of fact, one of the things they would love to be able to do is have a sense of urgency in the people around them that they see in themselves. And so impatience can easily get in the way. Not tolerating people, uh, people's uh, desire to take a risk. Or we, we talk a lot here about failing and failing fast and the simplicity of design. So keep things simple, allow people to take risks. If there is a, 
something that doesn't work right to be able to adjust very quickly and have people as part of that adjustment. A lot of times what happens is that we ask someone to take a risk, they don't get the ideal outcome, and we have a tendency to want to take it back. Let me take it back, because it's, it's not happening the way I need it or want it to, rather than, okay, let's have a conversation. I'm not going to take it back. What I'm going to do is use it to, to help someone and, and develop them and, and uh, give them the opportunity to be coached in the direction of success. So this is, and I don't know if a movie reference is going to jump to mind here uh, during this episode. Um, I'm hopeful, but I don't know yet. But, you know, TV show, Ted Lasso, you and I were talking about yeah. that a, a little bit earlier. Because I love Ted. <laughs> and there's, you know, it's interesting. I've, I've brought up her name before, the Harvard professor, Amy Edmondson. It's doing a lot of mm-hmm. work right now on psychological safety and leadership. Creating uh, psychological safety is is really in this conversation about uh, you know, the importance of communicating strategy, that it needs to be consistent. It needs to be the give and get, as you said. Um, but you need to, you know, Amy's work is that you need to create the space so that you can actually receive that that kind of honest feedback. Yeah. But but Ted Lasso, that show, that Apple TV show, is really, I don't remember how many seasons they were. I mean, it is a phenomenal viewing experience, in, in my opinion. But there's a lot being written about leadership because of that show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really quite amazing because there is a, um, a consistency of a vision. Yes. And lots of failure along the path, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they get kicked out of the Premier League. They have to move down in the league. And then they have to work their way back up. They, you know, they have eight games in a row where they tie. And, you know, they're not, they're not winning. They're not doing the traditional things. But arguably, in terms of the importance of communicating strategy, they're doing the right things. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, and it's uh, it's been interesting, the level of conversation of Ted Lasso showing up <laughs> in business yeah. and, and conversations about leadership and uh, humility and transparency and authenticity that shows up and also an ability to be patient with the people. He's always being patient with the people around him, even though they're not getting perhaps the result. Perhaps they're not behaving in an aligned fashion. And at some point, um, he's patient enough as a leader to see how people will evolve and come around and he's patiently coaching and nudging them. And at some level, he also has an expectation for performance. Um, and that, and you can get a sense of that. So, and I think that so much thinking about Strategy. We, we have this human design and capability to do a lot of planning that we don't always execute on. We have a lot of should-haves and could-haves. And anytime we use the language of should or could, we're identifying a gap. Gap between what I got and what I did and what I could have done or should have done. And, and I think there's a lot of that. And I think that when we start looking at it through the strategic lens, that we need to be able to have that kind of flexibility, that kind of agility to be able to say, if there's a could have or should have starting to show up, we probably ought to talk about that now rather than later. If there is a strategy that we could have left off the table or not included, we probably want to talk about that now. I think one of the reasons that strategic implementation gets as challenging as it is is because we're not always able to create the context or the environment or leaders don't work hard enough or don't do well enough at creating um, the space for timely feedback. Yeah. 
I think that sometimes we wait too long and leaders wait too long for the feedback. They wait too long to ask what's working and what's not. Um, they may track. The, we see this a lot. Uh, they develop OKRs and they develop different ways to track and create the metrics against the strategies. And then they become tracking tools as, a, as, as, as opposed to being problem-solving tools that we use those, those, that data to better understand what's going on. And so the timeliness of asking what's working, what's not, the timeliness of asking for feedback when we, when we uh, communicate strategies, those are so, so important. Interesting conversation, perhaps for another uh, podcast on the, you know, what's good data and what's less good use of data. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It'll, it'll never go away, but, um, and, and it ought not to, but we, we have to think about what that data is, is meaningful for. I mean, I'm, you know, in the assessment world, we always talk about, you know, you would take, you would take one really well done formative assessment over a summative assessment any day of the week. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know this is the those are um, those are educational words. Summative assessment is you you at the end you find out how well it went. It's like uh, it's like an autopsy, right? Yeah, it's like a performance review. You want to know what <laughs> killed it, <laughs> right? Uh -huh. Versus formative assessment is this idea that you know in the middle of the journey mm -hmm. you can get some feedback and adjust course towards that desired future state. Yeah. And and that's one of the capabilities we have as human beings is that reasoning capability that we can um, we can assess and then adjust we can assess and alter course if we need to uh, again and and coming back to strategy uh, I think it's really key question the key questions to always ask are how aligned is this um, to to our mission our purpose and our ideal outcomes and if it's not aligned great question to ask is why are we doing it what what really is the value that it brings because we do day in and day out as human beings at a very personal level we're constantly stretched and the, the constant tension of how we use our time and where we put our time and energy and the same thing needs to happen in teams and organizations so we constantly asking that question uh, it becomes vital to great strategic implementation so one thing that I always um, roll, amount, roll around in my head, Edgar, is this idea that, and, and, and I'll back up a little bit. I just had a colleague, a former work colleague and a, and a friend, um, just went to another organization into a leadership position. And one of the conversations he had with the president of that organization was the president told him, you can make all the changes you want, but these are sacred cows. Uh, yeah. Right. I mean, we will not be changing this part of the organization. Uh -huh. And I, I, I actually appreciate that he got to have that conversation. Um, you know, because we talk about design thinking often, and that's kind of how my mind generally works, that whatever work we get done today, if we need to undo it tomorrow so we can get a better result towards that vision, yeah. like I'm all in. Um, but that is not a common you know, people create these, they create processes and structures and organizations, and they don't want to undo them. Yeah, they want the predictability of what, yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, I'm, I'm always thinking about when we get information back that our implementation plan, our strategy is not being executed 
that will give us the future state we are looking for, mm-hmm. what makes an organization kind of hold on to its processes, its structures so tightly when they know that this plus this will not equal that thing they're in search of? Oh, that's a great question. It really is. I, you know, other than fear, that's pretty much it. You, know, you peel it all away. It's uh, that we create a that we create a plan, and now we're going to be in a way stubborn to that plan, and uh, where it takes us. And I think a lot of this has to do with I'm going to come back to just some basic I- ideas around strategy. Strategies offer us a path, right? It's a, it's a uh, periodic change plan, and we need to be clear. We need to be real clear on what the definition of success is. Um, because the definition of success at the end of the day guides us as to whether or not we're going to be agile, whether we can take what we did yesterday and explore it in a way to, to, to take it apart again and say, is there a better way? And to continuously seek the better way. I think if anything, there's a consistency that allows us to, to have some predictability and I, the question I always raise is, what's the predictability you're seeking? And that's typically tied into the, defi- the definition of success of what we're trying to achieve individually and collectively. You know, I wonder, uh, as far as movie references go, that this isn't any any hero's journey movie that ever has existed is the conversation we're really having. Yeah. I mean, as you, as you were talking, I, I had these kind of uh, flashes of the, the series of Rocky's Rocky movies and, you know, now the, the new versions of Creed. Um, I, the scenes in those movies that I always enjoy are the training scenes, right? Yeah, because the they, they've taken something they've known to be successful in the past and somehow they've adjusted it. So, you know, not to bring another Russia reference into a podcast, but, you know, Rocky four, he goes to Russia and, you know, he throws away all the equipment for the chopping wood in, in the Siberian, uh, you know, Russia uh-huh. image that, that all Americans have in their head of what Russia is, right? Um, in, in Creed, you know, the journey of, of winning the boxing match became secondary to finding self, and he needed to go train a completely different way. Yeah. Um, and that seems to me to be that adjustment, that adjustment, getting feedback and using it to do something new to get the desired result, which actually may be more complex than what you do today. Yes, it can be. And very often it feels more complex, yet the answers are typically simple. And we find that simple thread. It's interesting because even through meditative processes, it's a consistent process. And in the moment of the meditation, as you discover and explore, you find a different path in life or you find a different a way to approach a certain situation in life. So a lot of when you also think about strategy and strategic implementation to look at it through that process lens, you know, and something as simple as, as simple as what we introduce to organizations and teams is, is to develop a cadence of alignment meetings and not to just talk about the metrics and the outcomes that you're getting, but get that conversation process, process-wise, to a place of having a conversation of what's working and what's not, where are we achieving, where where are the challenges that we're facing, uh, how are we functioning and performing as a team, 
do we need to shift our role definitions? Is something else needed that we don't have? These are the ongoing questions that need to be asked. Alignment meetings, strategic alignment meetings, are intended to be that conversation. And one can get a sense of how important it is to develop a process around that, to develop a process. I know in EOS there's uh, level 10 and there's different forms that take place. It's important within that within that structure in of itself to also be able to look at it through the lens of what happens in those meetings. What's the dialogue or conversation like? Are we pausing to do design thinking to really solve a problem? Do we have a process for that? So consistencies of process and approaches very often allow us to be able to be more agile in our strategic implementation, to be more open and aware of what's working, what's not, and what problems we need to solve in the moment and and do so in a timely manner. That timeliness, again, shows up if you have a cadence, then you develop timeliness rather than waiting. Yeah, we're seeing that light bulb go off with a lot of businesses right now, that idea of alignment meetings, right? I mean, because they come out of the time with us and then they say, oh, I got it. I can see it. And then, you know, we're having similar conversations with the same businesses a year out and they say, oh, we didn't execute. Yeah, and and typically what didn't you execute on goes back to we we didn't follow the process of how we team, how we strategically implement. We we didn't do that well enough. That's typically the first piece of it. Then the second one is that the if we're just studying metrics and studying measurements, we're not really we're not really exploring how the business really works. Wouldn't it be interesting? We're spending a lot of time talking about developing processes too, right? Yeah. Conflict management processes, problem solving processes, decision making processes, strategic planning process. Yep. So you know what's interesting is how much effort an organization puts into what form you need to file or what what system you're going to use to do your HR processes. Like how are you going to file your time card or your request for vacation? Like we invest so many person hours and so much money in developing those kinds of processes. What keeps an organization from developing these other important processes that at the end of the day really are your best bet against best bet for achieving your strategy? Yeah. I think there's a host of different reasons that that happens, that we don't invest well in those. I think one is because they require us to build and flex different skills. You know, we the quote-unquote soft skills, which is yeah. always, you know, well, the hardest skills. one. Yes. The hardest skills are the soft skills. And go, okay, okay, let's not even <laughs> play with that dynamic. And the idea just being that this is where then, if you're going to do this well, we're back to some really core elements of, of what makes teams great and um, the ability to confront conflict, to be curious, to ask questions, use inquiry, empathetically listen to one another. Now we're back to those pieces and yeah, it's a lot easier to build a process of making sure a form gets filled on, filled out and, and filed on time um, to get into a process of we need to have a conversation about a strategy that we've been kicking down now for down the road for nine months and the realization is it's really misaligned let's have that conversation and uh, it's go, go goes back to the sacred cows piece as well what are the sacred cows well there's certainly alignments that we need to agreement on values beliefs how it is that we that we engage one another within the cultural within the culture of the organization the context that we're working in some of those pieces really at the end of the day 
aren't negotiable, or nor, nor should they be, because negotiation is always a funny compromise game anyway. The thing about it is to be able to focus in and do strategic problem solving and aligning of strategy and clearly communicating strategy. Um, those are those are processes and pieces that we need to be able to flex in and create the necessary changes and challenge ourselves to make those better as we go continuously. Yeah, you know, um, we're getting here on time, Edgar, but the image that keeps coming to my mind as we're having this late part of the conversation on today's podcast is it's a manufacturing image, right? I think so often a business is trying to figure out how to make um, the product or service mm-hmm. as opposed to the business of the people that create those products and services. And, and you know, I think without ever having said it out loud, I think that we say about the alignment framework is that if you can get an alignment, you can create more, better, different products and services. Yeah, absolutely. But people are really holding on to this manufacturing-esque kind yeah. of model in their businesses. Yeah, and um, I think that in of itself, being very clear on what the business does and what the intended customer experience, it comes back to that. So when we start thinking about strategy, two, two things I think show up real big. One is the alignment to the customer experience and where are we going with our product, our service, and is it manufacturing? I mean, really, what does it look like and what are the possibilities? And we see such a broad, broad set of possibilities when we begin to do that. And I think the other one goes back to uh, the human process. Um, you know, we, we, we talk about people and people process. Um, process doesn't create people. People create and use process. And so it's important to bring it back to that. And what is what is the experience that we're having as human beings within the context of the business and the organization? And how do we relate um, at a personal level, individually and collectively, to the strategies? Yeah. We said it on a previous podcast. Business, business is and likely will always be human. Well, yeah. And even the technology that we use, AI and everything else, at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is understand human behavior, isn't it? That's what it's all about. So, yeah, it's a human art. So vision is a desired future state. Strategy is the periodic change plan that gets us there. Mm -hmm. Thanks for your thoughts today, Edgar. Well, thank you for yours too, Ken, as always. yeah. We always welcome your uh, thoughts, questions, comments. Um, You can put them online at truealignment.com under the podcast. Um, You can find the podcast on... Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google. What are we missing, Jim? Wherever podcasts are served. (laughs) Wherever you find your favorite podcast, you can find the True Alignment Podcast. Wherever the podcast is sold. Well, thanks, Edgar. Yeah, thank you. And again, thank you all of you for tuning in. And uh, we'll see you again next time around on True Alignment. Uh, I'm Edgar Papke. I'm Ken Sagendorf. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.